0: Hop in, you've found the Smart Driving Cars podcast. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we are happy to welcome back with us Futurist, innovation advisor, and author Chunka Moy. Great to see you again, Chunka.
1: Thanks, Fred. Hi, Alan. Thanks for uh, having me nice. back. Yeah, nice to nice to have you with us. And, and again, thank you for coming to my class. They loved you, of course, and so on. And, you know, we have that's a the time.
2: most fun
0: I've had on this book tour. <laughs> You let the cat out of the bag. You've got a new book out, (laughs) getting four stars on Amazon. It's titled A Brief History of a Perfect Future, Inventing the World We Can Proudly Leave Our Kids by 2050. Sounds like an infrastructure plan to me. First of all, uh, congratulations, Chunka, And let's give our audience a a taste of what this book is all about. Sure. Well, um, a
2: taste of a five-year effort. Let let me give it a try. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, the, the simple story is um, the future is in our hands, and this book focuses on, on the future, and we try to make the case that the future can be close to perfect, you know, as close as we can get, or it can be put, pretty pathetic. And um, and the driver of that are is based on some very simple facts, right? So, uh, the building blocks that we're going to have to build our future are going to be really really powerful uh, we talk about um, seven what we call laws of zero that describe essentially uh, major technological capabilities uh, moving to zero marginal costs or actually zero costs and they are a thing that we cover just briefly um, computing communications information genomics energy transportation water and uh, our argument is that all of those all those technologies as as don't have to be made, the case doesn't have to be made for this audience, are growing exponentially in capability, and uh, on a relative b- basis, driving very close to zero cost. So those are the building blocks we have for the future. Um, but the second point we make in the book is that the building blocks aren't the buildings. Uh, we can either create really, really amazing futures with those building blocks, or they can give us really powerful tools to create pathetic futures. And the third part of the book talks about what the builders need to do, the individuals, the organizations, and governments need to do in order to trend us towards the more perfect futures and keep us away from the pathetic ones.
0: You know, Some, some people might be confused when you talk about computing costs going to zero or near zero. Alan talks about this all the time, too, because... There are lots of folks who just returned from the Apple store and just shelled out $1,000 per thing in their pocket. So what do we mean when we talk about the cost dropping down to near well, zero?
2: Well, there, there are two ways of thinking about that. Near zero doesn't necessarily mean it's free because you may, spend a, you may actually use a lot of it. But from a historic, historical perspective, if we, had, you know, we th- if we think about what computing cost us 30 years ago um, and we think about the amount of computing we get for that same cost today, I mean, that is effectively zero. I mean, you, you have more computing power in your, in, you know, probably in your microphone, if not at least in your phone, uh, than what took us to, you know, took Apollo to the moon, right? So you think about the, the relative cost of computing in 30 years, which is a time frame we work in, in the book. I mean, the amount of computing power we can throw at, at problems, um, is still gonna be astronomical and the relative cost of that compared to how we think about it today, is gonna be near zero. So the, the, the hypothesis that we make or the thought device we offer to our readers is, imagine that you can throw as much computing power at any problem as you, as you, as you want in 30 years. What are the problems you need to solve and how can you solve those problems better? Or, or you know, as, as we love to talk about in this podcast, the uh, cost of energy go- drops dramatically goes close to zero or the cost of transportation goes close to zero what kind of futures can we build with that technological capability? So, so the cost of the capability will be not a constraint. It will be uh, what we choose to do with it.
1: Yeah, it, it's so important. I mean, those are such fundamentals, uh, Not just uh, Think back when it's a little bit more than 30 years ago, but you know, when I used to take two boxes of cards and put them into a window and get a one-day turnaround on whatever it is that I was trying to do per day. And then I sit and watch Elon's AI Day, and they're talking about a box that they're building that's exoflops, you know, 10 to the 18th floating point instructions per second. And I say to myself, holy hell you know what kind of pro- what kind of things can i address now even now with that kind of compute all the things that i used to think were np complete as we like to say they're so di- darn big you kind of, you, you don't you don't even try okay all of a sudden we can try I mean, you know, and in fact, you know, the kinds of things that we can do today in a day's turnaround, of you know, problem looking at, you know, 30 years from now, you're absolutely right. That darn thing, I mean, Moore's law is still here. How can it be? I mean, you know, and it's continuing, and it doesn't. I mean, everybody, oh, it's going to stop. Oh, it's going to stop. Oh, it's going. And you put that into things like batteries as your whatever that you talk about in your book. I mean, well, yeah, do, I mean, wow. Go, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and
0: the fascinating thing
2: about that is that it raises um, new problems that you have to solve in order to take advantage of that capability, right? So, absolutely. you know, in, in the early seventies you could project out what the computing power could be. Um, but if you, you could look at that and say, you know we should take that computer power and make better mainframes better yeah. card sorters and, and better, you know, card readers um, talk about. Or you can say to yourself, well, heck, you know, what are the wireless networks I need to build? What are the operating systems I need to build? What's the new modes of computer inter, uh, user interaction I need to build in order to take advantage of that computing power? What's the infrastructure I need to put in place to take advantage of it? And essentially, you know, if we want to go back in history, that's the way the folks at Xerox PARC thought about it. They yeah, said, absolutely. oh, we know the computing power is going to be there. Yeah. What do we need to do, and who are going to be users? Well, the users are going to be children. What we need to do is we need to build uh, graphical user interfaces. We need to build, um, you know, uh, operating systems, programming languages that take advantage of that computing power. And a lot of what we talk about in the book is assume these building blocks are there, but what do you need to build around it so you can so you can take advantage of that capability? And energy is a great example. And yeah. We know that in thirty years, solar power, lots of renewable power is essentially gonna be free. I mean, cost per 0.0001 cents per kilowatt hour, right? Um, But that's not gonna be worth anything if we don't have the distribution mechanisms, the energy control mechanisms, infrastructure, all that stuff to take advantage of that capability. So um, even with the raw technological power created by the laws of zero, you still have to imagine what future you wanna build and get, get working on building that future.
1: One of the things that I liked in your book, or at least that I got out of it, was the, was the bringing together the, ener- the energy and the water issue and, 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 and you know, bring, I, talk, 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 I just, I love that one. Go, go ahead. Yeah, go so, ahead. Yeah. you know,
2: energy and, and water, they're, they're the key ingredients of life. Uh, yeah. but the point we make is that when you have a lot of energy, you can have a lot of water uh, because you can, you can actually like condense water out of the air. You can, you can desalinate uh, seawater. So if you have free energy, you could have free water in a sense because you know, there's, there's, more, there's more water in the air, in the atmosphere uh, than there are in, in all the rivers uh, on the planet. The but that's a necessi- the-
1: that's not necessarily good because then you create more Californias and then then what does the world do? I mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, the, I don't think we can pull too much water out of the area because you know what? It has a load balancing mechanism that the atmosphere redistributes itself. So we're not mining just one, you know, one aquifer. But the point is, you yeah. know, with uh, power you can solve yeah. a lot of problems, but you right. have to make sure it's clean power, and you have to make sure that's power that's evenly distributed, that's equitable, accessible, all that kind of stuff. And and we're on that path.
1: Um, Yeah, and 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 we can look at history. I mean, power has always been kind of key. I mean, where did people locate? They located near waterfalls so that they could get power. You know, renewable power, really, right? Uh, Otherwise, my goodness, they had to have animals that you know they had to feed. That they had to clean up their messes and all. I mean, you
2: know.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, (laughs) fundamentally.
2: Right, and as we, you know, so we sit here um, today, a few miles you know down the road from me and, and, and you are a whole bunch of uh, politicians arguing about the infrastructure and they're mostly yeah. arguing about the infrastructure of the past, not the infrastructure yeah. of the future uh, and what we need to sort of build the new infrastructure. And of course, we need to fix a lot of current infrastructure, but we also have to think about you know, what the infrastructure of the 21st century is gonna be to deal with the problems that we have, And take advantage of the opportunities that that we have. And of course, one of those is decarbonization and climate change. And one of the chapters in our book deals with what the future history of climate could be uh, if we took advantage of these uh, tools in as most dramatic and positive ways we could.
0: Is there a danger at the same time, uh, Chanka, do you think, or that... uh... Some people will say, "Well, technology is going to bail us out of whatever trouble we're getting ourselves into, so let's not worry about it."
2: Well, th- there is there is the danger of that. Uh, there's always the danger of that. But but the point in in our in our book is that the technology only bails us out if we. I mean, the technology is is, is the product of of our incredible human creativity and imagination. It doesn't come out of Nowhere It comes out of science, comes out, comes out of uh, research, comes out of a lot of good policy, lots of market forces. Uh, but we can use that technology in a lot of different ways. So it's, it could bail us out or it, it, it could tank us. Right? Um, so we have to be proactive and use those tools that, that we have. Because, you know, we spend 300 pages in a book talking about these marvelous futures that we could have because it takes a lot to describe them. And we spent about 20 pages talking about these pathetic futures we can have because it's easy to imagine them. You know, all I have to say to you is 1984, Brave New World, you know, uh, Minority Report, uh, you know. And that, that tells us how these technologies, whether you're talking about uh, AI or machine learning or genomics, can be warped to, to, to bad outcomes. So we can't be complacent that the technology will find the right answers.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in all these things, there's sociology that's on top of the technology or surrounding the technology or actually that the technology is supposed to deal with is the sociology. And the sociology is, um, I, I have no background in that, so I just throw that out. But I don't. Oh, yeah. well,
0: We're seeing the battle over vaccines. I mean, <laughs> Talk about you know, sociology.
2: We're seeing the battle over vaccines, but we, but we can't forget that you know, if this pandemic had happened 10 years ago, um, we wouldn't have had the vaccine, right? Because the science wasn't advanced to a point where we could have developed it and tested it and deployed it in the way that we could. But we could have still had the pandemic because we had the transportation technology to, to spread it. So there, there's, a, there's, there's lots of great opportunity, but, but also lots and lots of work to do.
0: Of course, we want to talk to you about uh, transportation and mobility, and uh, we've talked a little bit about energy. In the book, you say, future perfect will include an unlimited number of fully autonomous vehicles, and transportation costs will be much lower than they are today. Get yeah. into that for us.
2: Well, I, I think it's, you know, we've been talking about, you and Al in particular, have been talking about transportation technology for, for a number of years now, and Um, it's really a hard problem, autonomous vehicles. really, really a hard problem, you know, in the large. Uh, We solved uh, a tremendous amount of those problems, you know, in in the last few years. Uh, I don't know how you would describe it, 90%, 95%, 99%, I'm not sure, but the remaining ones are really hard. Um, But if you sort of look out 10, 20, 30 years, we're going to address most of those problems, and we're going to we're going to have the vehicles in Trenton that that Alan wants to have um, for a significant number of use cases. And we're going to, have to we're going to figure out how those use cases, you know, how to live within the UK use cases we can solve. Um, so if you look long range, it's it's easy to say we're going to have a tremendous amount of autonomous vehicles if we want them, if we can build them in the right way. Um, it's it's it's, it's, an, it's an easy prediction. Now, question is how we're gonna how we gonna use that capability. I mean, are we gonna use it to drive access and economic opportunity, reduce uh, you know reduce carbon, um, and you know have have reasonable more reasonable urban planning, or we're we gonna take that technology and, and use it for you know um, to increase you know to make those, some of those problems worse. So, the autonomous vehicle capability, we think, is going to be pervasive. How we use it is the question.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things about, about transportation is, is that, uh, you know, it, it's, and I've said this probably in my lectures for 50 years or something like that, it's, it's kind of a backdoor way to do. Urban design, land use, and whatever, and so on. It's because, because you know, there, there's there's always sort of the the if you could control the land use. You could almost do whatever you want because you you decide where people are going to live, where people are going to work, where people are going to play, where people are going to worship, where people are going to whatever, whatever, whatever. Whether they're in a you know a tall building, da 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 da, you know whichever one you want, you decide that, then you can probably the, the, you can probably put a trans mobility system in there to to serve that and and do well whatever it is your objective is. Right, yeah
0: okay true.
1: but but you know so but you, since you can't control that I mean nobody's going to tell me what the hell to do I mean I'm, I'm sorry you know I'm, I'm overstating it but but of course but I'm not overstating I mean individuals make decisions in their own brains they look at whatever it is their opportunity set is and I claim they each one rationally picks from the top you know you decide to live where you decide you thought was best to live Fred did, I did, da da da. You work where you want, da da de, da da Those, These are individual, microscopic individual decisions, and 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 so, and so, what I think the opportunity for transportation is is if is if maybe we can take the transportation question, the mobility, the accessibility question, completely out of that choice process, and let other things. Drive that, as opposed to oh my goodness, I can't get there, therefore I'm not. I can't do that one. But my goodness, why did transportation interject in there, not let not putting that as the top thing in your brain to say hey, hey I want to do that? Why? Maybe it should be something else that should be. And if you can somehow make transportation free as you say go to zero with it and that means zero not just in terms of the cash laid out but the environmental stuff too The whatever it is that the society cherishes you know let that what does that lead to you know i mean i don't know i mean it'd be interesting and and thoughts on that yeah
2: yeah well i mean the, the secondary effects of the transportation models that, that we have are just tremendous, as you say. I mean, essentially yeah. right now we design we design cities around cars yeah. uh, and we design cities around personal car ownership.
1: Yeah, you know, and absolutely.
2: Public transportation. And if you
1: don't have those, you're done. Okay. Right. The fork's in you. Okay. <laughs> right.
2: Um, but as the transportation, but, you know, we, we did that in the last hundred years. Before that, yeah. we designed cities around other things. Um, you know, the, the, the map, the map of the Northeast is designed around canals, you know, the, the right. urban, urban map of the Northeast is designed around canals and, and roads and railroads, right? And right, you know,
1: right, right. So Delaware River Raritan runs right by here, you know, that's, you know, the,
2: <laughs> right. so, uh, one of the things we, one of the things we posit is that the, the sort of core economics driving the, the, that basic product is going to change. Right, and yep. there's going to be a lot of a lot of secondary effects that we have to deal with. We could, for example, start designing um, cities around people, not cars. We could right. start designing electric grids around, you know, around around uh, the new transportation model. But all those questions are need to be on the table. So to go back to your earlier point, Alan, I mean energy, I mean cheap fossil fuels, high 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 um volume. Bio- Fossil fuels is what drove the industrial revolution.
1: Yeah, now, of course. Right? So, I mean, it's always been cheap energy that's driven right. it. Yeah.
2: So, but a secondary effect of that is carbon and carbon and 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 climate change. So you could say, you know, unfortunately, climate change is a secondary effect of the industrial revolution. Right? A yeah. byproduct of the industrial revolution. So if we can move so, but if we move to sustainable energy, low carbon energy, cheap enough, you know, on an economic basis to, to push out fossil fuels, you know, what kind of, what kind of world can we design around that? One of the things that you talked about earlier is that we can solve a lot of water problems right? um, and we can solve a lot of transportation problems, right? So the combination of, of cheap batteries, really, really cheap batteries, really cheap energy and autonomous vehicle technology. I mean, the reason, the reason uh, Elon Musk is the richest person in the world is because of Tesla and the fa- and the reason Tesla is so so valuable is because it's the core weapon that the markets think will drive decarbonization of the automotive industry. I mean, it's a nice yeah. car, but but it's an electric vehicle. That's yeah. and we need electric vehicles, and every, everybody's shifting over electric vehicles. So that fundamental change in in energy patterns, driven by this larger need to decarbonize, right, is what what's creating the uh, the opportunity for tesla and it's creating the wealth for for musk and you know if we if all of our cars in the world today transition to tesla um, uh, electric vehicles he'd be a trillionaire and we would have dealt with about 4% of the carbon problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> so there's 96 <laughs> there's 96 96 other per- percent of the decarbonization problem that's driving all these other industries. When you're thinking about energy, mining, uh, you know, name it, agriculture. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, agriculture, cement, steel, all yeah. that kind food, of technology. Food, food, right. food, cows. Right. Food, agriculture. <laughs> cows. And the way that all
2: those other industries will decarbonize are by using these tools that we talk about, you know, that are driven by the laws of zero.
1: And well, the only well, way... They- housing, one of them. I mean, yeah. you know there there was a article not too long ago about somebody wanting to put a, a new city in in the california desert or something like that or whatever which to me sounds like great except you know what seemed to me i didn't really go into death is like for the rich people to go to i mean you san francisco Tolosa, i think
0: uh, that, uh, san, san francisco
1: there. San francisco has has an enormous homeless challenge okay and and it, it, I, I just, I've just been trying to wonder in my mind, is that a home, is that a, 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 a housing challenge or is that a mobility challenge? I mean, is it, yeah you know, the issue is, is if, if one had mobility, then a lot of people could spread out of, out of san francisco and wouldn't need to live in san francisco so they might create housing availability yeah. for those that don't have it or create housing elsewhere where you can for some reason create it for who knows what you don't have water you don't have energy you don't have sewer you don't have all the other things and 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 if you if the mobility would w- in new jersey we we we, we have uh we have rules that are that for low income housing okay and so where do we locate low income housing on cheap land okay otherwise we can't afford it all right why is land cheap <laughs> cuz there's nothing there OK, and, and so therefore, from there. right. therefore, getting out of there, if you go there, you have to spend 80 percent of your disposable income to get a car so you can get a quart of milk that you yeah. can't afford to buy because you had to spend 80 percent of your disposable income to live there. Now, come on, guys <laughs> it, it, or gals. It's it, you,
0: well, transportation you want to do really
1: a having, affordable living—I don't know. I mean, it, you I, can't have
2: a job if you can't get to a to a job, and it's, of course, it's hard to get a job if you don't have an address either. I mean, these are all components. Yeah, no, of
1: those are all all those things come together, and you know, so you you, you kind of have to bring them. in. And, and so I think the opportunity right. again with if you can get closer to zero on some of these things that that of course the mobility and you use it appropriately to then. Maybe not to concentrate everything, maybe to spread it out. I don't know. You know, some right. other people say, my goodness, it's going to be, you know, Levittown's all over again. Well, right. guess what, uh, you know?
2: All right. So so these these conversations wouldn't, wouldn't be interesting if we didn't have some disagreements.
1: Yeah, so let of me, course. Let me toss yeah. one out. Okay, uh, please.
2: I I'd yeah. love those cities of the future kinds of, um, uh, kinds of projects. Because I think that the way we get to one of the ways we get to the future, and this is what we argue for in the book, is that for a while, not forever, you have to put aside the design constraints of today. So, yes, the homeless problem in San Francisco is a real problem. But, we, but if we can reimagine how we use these tools to design new cities, new transportation patterns, and can in some places start from scratch to build them, then we can we can make these possible futures real. And then we can sort of ask the question, how do we trans- transition in scale from what we have today to the future? So the core, one of the core ideas in our book is that we should project out far enough in the future to write what we call future histories of desirable futures that put aside for now all the problems and constraints of today and say, what kind of future do we want in 2035 or in 2050? And we did do both in in the context of transportation and say, okay, what kind of future do we want that is plausible based on the science that we know we will have. And then work backwards to say, okay, how do we get there from here? You know, what, what are the midpoints and what are the things we need to start doing now? Because if we just focus on the problems of today, we will probably sub optimize if, if, if not just fail at solving some of those problems.
1: We, we, we won't optimize, we won't even be feasible. I mean, they won't even, yeah. yeah. Right.
2: So, so we, you know, so if you wanna to get to the moon, you don't start yeah. by building ladders, right? <laughs> you, you, you start by saying, okay, what is the science that we need to get to when you build that? And in the meantime, you may solve other problems, but, you know, sometimes the pathway to that future is not by the incremental path that you assume today.
0: So this project, Telosa, which you have been reading about, I uh, think this is uh, going to happen, a, a good idea. This is a, a billionaire, former Walmart executive who's talking about building this utopian city. I think, I think
2: build as many as um, you have. The one I'm really interested in is the one Toyota is working on in Japan, what they call the Woven City, right, which assumes uh, future, future transportation technology, and asked the question, well, how do we build a city around that? You know, how do we have an integrated mobility design and integrate that with a city and integrate it with the way people live, work, and play? Um, but there are a lot of, you know, Bill Gates has this thing that he, he's been talking about called Belmont in Arizona. We also read about in the, in the book. There are, there are various um, urban design projects in the Middle East, lots of st- things happening in Africa. So I think we need to do that forward research. We need to do that sort of envisioning to, to imagine how uh, we can accelerate some of these capabilities. And you know, I, as 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 you guys know that um, I love the idea of prototypes. I th- love the idea of thinking big and then starting small.
1: Yeah, right? um, yeah and, of course, it's fundamental. I, right. You wrote a book about that, didn't I you? I? Wrote a book about that, <laughs> right?
2: And uh, you know, as Gordon Bell, the former uh, the inventor of the minicomputer computer, said. Uh, the, the, um, the, the, the a demo is worth a thousand pages of a business plan, right? So can you build, build it for me. This is how, how uh, Google started with their driverless car. They said, okay, can you build one that will actually you know, cross the Bay Bridges? Can you build one that will actually go around you know, Lake Tahoe? Can you build one that will actually go down Route 1? And so before you do your big business plan, before you do your big capital expense plan, just prove to me that the, that the core technology is is possible, and I think that's what these these uh, these urban city uh, prototypes.
1: can well, do. I think in, in a little way this is what we're trying to do with the whole Trenton thing—not to you know pump that, push that, which we're pushing. But, you know, it's really to try to integrate the society, the, the sociology with the technology, and can we actually do this in, in in the small of a of a of a city that for which Boy, if you 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 know if you don't have a car, you're you you know the opportunity set is just enormously reduced over the opportunity set you have if you have a car, and 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 can we bring it to those who for you know whatever reason don't have access to a car and 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 try it in the small and 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 see if it works or or there you know some other things that go in for those folks. I mean, to me the part of the Problem with the whole, you know, uh, autonomous taxis as I call them. People call them my other names. I prefer that. But a taxis, um, um, you know, is is that they're they're like they're like for me to have another alternative over the car that I already have. That just I mean, when I look at it, it's you know, for me personally, it's pretty damn good. I mean, you know, anytime I want it, anytime to do, I got that thing big big decision process for me is which one to take i mean not to do it whereas somebody who who doesn't even have one of those guys i mean i mean their life is completely different it has to be completely different than mine you know not, you know i guess they're happy campers and they're they're just as happy as i am i guess I I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really what we're trying to address with that. It's, 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 I was went down to the senior home and and maybe, you know, not one of the best parts of Trenton on Monday. And I mean, I was almost crying. there talking to these people in terms of what they said, you know, how tough it is for them to go do some, the the simplest things in my life that I just don't even think about doing, you know, I mean, it, yeah access to transportation I, mean, it's just, I, mean, I hate to be so stupid with this but I, i'm just like i'm just stupid about it i just, i have well, it's not me i haven't experienced it, at least yeah. not for the last 50 years
2: access to transportation is, is as we know it's it's a prime determinant to to economic um opportunity and quality of life um so i actually and you know this alan I yeah. have no problems with autonomous taxis. I, I think that that enables a, um, a business model that will drive lots of development. And I think that will have ripple effects on the kinds of problems you're, you're, you, uh, you look at. And the reason GM just announced a few months ago, they have a $10 billion line of credit secured to, to build their autonomous vehicles, right? The cruise, the mm-hmm. cruise origin and other cars. Cruise, yeah, yeah. Uh, is because there are viable business models um, that are different than what you just described. Uh, around mobility, autonomous, you know, taxis, things of that sort. But those same technologies will spin out and deal with other harder to solve problems as, as you just described. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's great to work on multiple, you know, it's, it's a, many of the only problems, let me rephrase, the only problems we we, uh, we address in the book are things like energy and climate change and healthcare um, and trust. And those are the kind of problems where it's an all hands on deck Uh, kind of issue. And I'm perfectly fine with people taking these technologies and going in every direction that, that they can think, because I think uh, those capabilities, as long as they're starting with, as long as they're working towards a long-term vision, that's, that's good for the world. Um, It's it's great. So every time I hear somebody, you know, I, every time I hear advocates, for example, who want to deal with climate change, poo-pooing somebody else's strategy, I'm thinking, shut up. (laughs) You know, this is a really big problem. So, you know, so I don't care if Bill Gates wants to work on nuclear while you work on solar. I want you both to work on it really hard. Right. Um, As opposed to because the real enemy is doing nothing.
1: We're, right. And 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 we haven't started on those and let those go out there and compete in whatever and in, in some co- competition or complement right. each other. In the end, it's not right. all or, or nothing. I mean, there are still people in Pennsylvania and other places that have horses and buggies and and love their lives with horses and buggies and live and, their lives you know, and enjoy all, whatever all, to do. Right.
2: All the more power to them. But the yeah. thing you have to ask yourself is, you know, am I working towards that? Uh, that long-term, you know, long-term, the right long-term goal. So Gates, for example, has this, has this um, investment thesis with his breakthrough energy ventures uh, portfolio that says, look, I'm going to work on a lot of different things, but I'm not going to work on anything that doesn't deal with at least a billion tons of, of, of carbon, you know, which is, you know, one half of 1% of, of the, of the decarbonization problem we have. It has to be a material thing. Right. I have to work being working towards a material solution to a big problem. And if you're doing that, then great, go for it. Uh, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing something that sort of deals with the, you know, one thousandth of a of a percent of, of something, then then you're wasting my time. But are you are you working on a material problem 30 years out? Um, I think that's both where the the, the social need is. But also, that's where the economic opportunity is. And I apologize every time I talk to you guys; you, you you make me feel like I'm sort of like scattered all over the place because we're talking about so many. No, different-
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, of course it's everything. I mean, I, and I, hopefully we like to talk about about all those pieces too. I mean, I think that the, you know, the, the 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 what we need to do with electric vehicles is is not just change the internal combustion engines to electric vehicles but we've got to get somehow the batteries to be able to you know do what you want i mean get the zero somewhere to have some you know moore's law advancement in that in that technology because otherwise you know that sucker is not going to zero and 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 you know our history on that we plot the data it's it's basically flat (laughs) you know it's not one of these you know i mean we've made some improvements lately you know somebody looks and you know we've we have work to do
2: we have work to do uh but the improvements are pretty dramatic and yeah they don't batteries in
1: particular it's really
2: i mean uh, a large part of it is scale as well but I think, um, you know, the, the short version of the story is there's there's tremendous opportunity. Right. Yep. So tremendous opportunity both to solve real problems that we have as a society and make lots of money. And, and that requires a combination of individual action, organizational action, and governmental action. You know, if you go back to if you go back to Tesla, Tesla wouldn't exist if it weren't for decades of, of government-funded research and batteries. Yep. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Hundreds of millions of dollars of direct loans wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you know uh, uh, incentives to buy electric vehicles, and yeah. wouldn't exist if consumers didn't actually respond and buy those vehicles. So that, right. that requires all that stuff. And in order to scale, it's going to take another whole range of governmental action around you know around grid transformation, actually delivering energy to those places, making sure it's clean energy, more incentives for purchasing. It's going to it's going to depend on. Folks like us who say when they buy their next car, do I want to buy an EV or do I want to buy a, a combustion mm-hmm. engine? Right, so, Absolutely.
0: There, there, are, there are people out there, Chunko, who are saying that the, the push by automakers and, and governments to force electric vehicles out there to switch to solely electric vehicles, that they're, that they're uh, too far ahead, that we don't have the grid ready that uh, how are we going to power these? Is it going to be coal? So what, what are your thoughts about that? Is it, is it something that uh, by saying we're going to be electric, now let's solve this other problem, that, that, that yes. it's
2: a necessary thing? Yeah. absolutely. I, I think we have to set that goal and then we have to build towards that goal, right? So if GM says, I'm going to stop uh, doing research or development on internal combustion engines, I'm going to have a 15 year plan to sell only electric um that changes their incentives in terms of what they lobby for in, in terms of uh, policy uh, what they push energy companies to it also gives it also gives energy companies a, a target to aim for in terms of the the product mix they have to build towards because so you need to have those long term plans both to to essentially get to the get to the goal but you but that's what guides technology and capital investment right so so it these are virtuous what you want to do is create a virtuous cycle, right? That gets us to that long-term solution. And if we all wait, you know, then we never get started. Um, so it's going to take us a long time to, to, to um, move the car park to electric vehicles. And uh, there's a long, you know, there's, there's a long stretch uh, for, for us to build the infrastructure around that. But we need to do it as fast as possible.
1: Yeah. And, and folks, somebody has to get out there and lead. And it's kind of good that those that are choosing to lead. And I guess we some of us look to our leaders to lead. And, and so, yes, of course, uh, you know, somebody may not want to go on the long march, but, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, you know,
2: somebody's going to dig that last ton of coal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, Absolutely.
2: And and, uh, and somebody else is, you know, is going to is going to push on the solar. And And we're going to have a transition and how, you know, how fast that transition happens has economic implications, and unfortunately, it also has, you know, climate implications.
1: And, you know, and some people are going to push uh, sequestration to then, if you do do the coal, you can then take the carbon, stick it in the earth and somehow bury it and whatever, and then, hey, get that to work. Who knows? I mean, whatever. It's, you know, it's, and but that's going to be because, of course, somebody's led out there and says, oh, my goodness, we got to figure out how to clean up this coal else we're out of here and right. you know that that's good too if, if that happens i mean you know it ends up to be the same thing if that all works i mean that's well, a big if
2: one but, of the most positive things i think i think that's starting to happen and this needs to happen a lot more is that investors are realizing hey you know while a company may think it, that it needs to maximize the next five years and then just go out of business you're still going to have your portfolio i mean you're still i mean if you're BlackRocking, you're you're managing eight trillion dollars worth of money you want that money to survive the energy transition, right? <laughs> so, so you you actually want to invest in a longer term time frame because you could you could actually, you know, put all your money in fossil fuels, make a ton of money in the short term, and then and then be left holding the bag.
1: Yeah, I mean so that, it's, it's... that
2: transition risk is becoming more and more apparent to investors. They're not quite sure what to do with it, but it's becoming more apparent, and I think that will drive more
1: positive actions on a,
2: on the form of management and companies.
1: You mean some people might decide make money every day is a good way to do things as opposed to, you know, pump it up and flip it and make it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, too. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, and but you know, there, of course, the whole thing, the whole thing has to operate it has to do it every day it has to it has to actually you know end up generating the electrons creating them, bringing them to the cart i mean that that's 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 a heavy lift every day has to put food on our tables has to put roofs over our heads has to give us clothes to buy you know so in in the end it's not just the flip it's really you know the day-to-day fundamental things move people you know and and Right. I, I think I, I think the investment community sees value in in the in the day to day things too. So well, yes,
0: While friend. we're on that subject, Alan, we'll be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs Smart Transportation and Technology <laughs> ETF symbol MOTO. <laughs> to get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, we should point out it's a good idea to read the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under a tab called Insights and News. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. And you may know that ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of smart driving cars and our guest, Chunka Moy, futurist and author of the new book, A Brief History of a Perfect Future, Inventing the World We Can Proudly Leave Our Kids by 2050. What a title. Chunka, <laughs> you, you spent five years on this book. And I guess near the end, my guess is we hit this pandemic. Did it change any of your thinking with everyone working and learning from home?
2: Oh, well, I think it reinforced my thinking about the power, you know, the power of human creativity and our ability to adapt and adjust to problems when we when we set our minds to it. Yeah, um,
0: this all had to happen so fast for schools, for, for employers, definitely. et cetera. And, and as I alluded to earlier, think about
2: if this pandemic had happened um, 10 years earlier, you know, some things, some things like this podcast would not have been possible. Right. Um, m- things like the rapid shift to telehealth would not have been possible. The, the rapid shift to, to work from home would not have been possible. Uh, the sequencing of the virus, you know, and, and the building of vaccines almost overnight after that sequencing would not have been possible. Uh, the, 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 t- the testing would not have been possible. So, the core technology, the tools that we have are so fundamental. To how we respond, we to these problems, and fundamental to the kinds of you know the kinds of uh, worlds that we can build. So, I mean, I, I know that um, we don't want to think about technology as a silver bullet, and it never is. But it's a powerful, powerful weapon. It's going to really, really, really be much more powerful uh, by twenty fifty. And uh, one of the backstories about why I took twenty fifty as as the milestone. In 2050, it means it's hard for many people to think, you know, 30 years out, you know, I, I can't get my hands around that. That's too far out. In 2050, my daughter is going to be the same age I was when she was born. Right. I can imagine her in 2050. And I think we can all sort of, if we sort of imagine something close to us and something we really care about, we can start saying, hey, I, I guess what we get to in 2050 really matters. And it matters. It should matter to what I do today. how and how i get there so this book is really trying to trying to sort of posit these immense tools that we can build but really ask the question of the reader what slice of that future can you do you want to be a part of and can you work on and what can you do today you know to to get us towards that kind of future as a you know what can you do as a uh consumer as an investor as a as an employee as as a as a government employee as the president right as a ceo Uh, And then how does that ladder up to what your organization does and what the government does? And that's, what's the real, you know, the, the, the real, real message is that future is really in our individual hands, you know, because collective action depends on that individual responsibility.
0: How confident are you that we're really going to be seeing the kinds of changes that, that you talk about in in the book? I mean, I, I think back to, the 1960s, the late 60s, and the, the movie 2001 with, with, that Kubrick made, and boy, what a future, and that was going to happen by 2001, and here we are. It's still yeah. not even well, close.
2: I mean, the short answer is that I'm immensely confident about the technological capabilities we have and very pessimistic about whether or not we are actually going to build the futures that we can out of them. So one of the things we're trying to do explicitly in the book is we're not trying to predict uh, what's going to happen by 2050. Because if you were to predict, you probably, you probably have some pretty uh, gruesome, awful predictions. Because you know, predictions are sort of like what's m- the most likely thing to happen based on what's happening today, and we get to some pretty bad places there. So instead, what we're trying to say is not let's not predict a future. The, you know, we play off of the the old Alan Kay phrase: the best way to predict a future is to invent it. So sure. what we posit is what are the futures we could actually invent if we put our minds to it and hold those up as, as goals, as targets, and hopefully get people to reframe around that as opposed to just sort of incrementally going forward on where they are today.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is a very good way to look at it. I mean, I look at my students in, in, in my classes right now, you know, 30 year over their next 30 to 40 year um, span, of when they're, you know, the key influence of the of the world is that basically exactly what you were talking about, the target. They're the ones that are going to do it. Where are they going to start? They're starting from whatever they have now and trying to, to take it they're the ones that are going to take it there and and um, you know in some sense uh, yes maybe we haven't reached what the the movie 2001 wanted us to reach but in other ways we've gone way beyond it in some sense you know and 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 um, and have, have really you know done some things and d- done it very well i mean i'd when there were people were first talking about about video phones, I said, I don't want to look a chunk of what I'm talking to them. I mean, I love it now. You know, I mean, I don't, I, you know, Zoom, I don't know. I guess Zoom's done a pretty a reasonable good job. We sort of complain about it every once in a while, but my goodness, look at what we're doing.
2: Look at how what we're doing. Other,
1: look at how many other, it's not just us. It's, yes. look at how many people did it. Kidding me. You know, the ban- right. how, how the heck we get that bandwidth? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, Kubrick didn't even think about the bandwidth. but at some point you need bandwidth to do that. Oh, my well, this is why thing.
2: we're able I mean, to do this, right? Yeah, because absolutely. The right?
1: It's the bandwidth. <laughs> and what does it cost us? I don't know. I guess we must be rich guys. We don't even know what it costs us. I mean, you know, I mean. Well, it, it, this meeting actually costs us nothing. zero. It, yeah, it's, essentially it's nothing. You know, and it is. You know, there may have been a lot of fixed costs associated with it. A lot of folks made and lost money on it. But we're at a point now where the margin, the margin, you know, the cost to produce it going forward, zero. And and that's uh, to me, that's what's. That's what's very interesting, so interesting right. about your book is you really talk, you really go through, you know, the the fundamental building blocks. This isn't some little nuance, you know, little blip on some whatever we have to trade right now and get ahead of everybody to make a do do do. I mean, these are fundamentals. I guess we've all we've all offered-
0: Forgotten how much it used to cost to just to make a voice call a few towns over, even <laughs> not to mention I a
1: mean, party or, line. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. and you had to put put those quarters and dimes, and and you never made a long distance call. I mean, right. oh my goodness! I mean, Jesus, dude. out of your area code, absolutely. Oh, I mean.
2: <laughs> Trunko, one so I, 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 Go ahead. Oh, I, I was I was going to say just i want to make an offer to your readers i mean to your listeners to your watchers um if you've made it this far in, yeah. in this in this in this podcast um you know of course i want you to go out and buy the book and write great reviews or all that kind of stuff yeah. but if you've made it this far in in this podcast and you're hearing me say this send me an email and i'll, and I'll send you the book for free because what i really want I'm, this is not about selling books this is about selling ideas and i'd be happy to send that, that book to any of your listeners and get in a conversation with them uh, about it.
1: I, I don't you're going to tell them your
0: email address.
2: <laughs> well, I'm easy to find. I'm easy to find. Uh, uh, Dr. <laughs> Google will point, point you to me very easily, but Chunkamoy at gmail.com will get me as well.
0: Well, yeah. tell us what your thoughts are. Uh, one last thing here. The, 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 the battle between countries the united states versus china i guess specifically here does that have the power to speed things up or to put the brakes on oh
2: i think it will speed things up as long as it doesn't kill us right the battle between the u.s and china fundamentally is an economic battle and competition is good for innovation right uh Unfortunately, we have different political views on how government interacts with competition and, and markets, and we also have you know the the, uh, the incumbent wanting to crush the startup, <laughs> um, which happens everywhere except everywhere. that you know it's this incumbent is startup has have nuclear weapons and and aircraft carriers and planes all that kind of stuff. So the competition will be good as long as we remember that it's an economic competition, and and not some fundamental you know. Uh, good versus evil competition uh but politics is crazy you know and as we know ideology is crazy and 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 partisanship can 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 lead to um really really bad places and hopefully we don't get
1: there well that's part of the sociology of this whole darn thing i mean look everybody has to realize we're all different and thank goodness we're different okay because if we all thought the same i mean it The world would be really boring place. I mean, and I like to tell tell the students if we all thought the same, all us, all the guys would love like just one girl, and all the girls would love just one guy. And guess what? I mean, you don't (laughs) get out of Adam and Eve. I mean, nothing happens. I mean, thank goodness we're different. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, and and we like like the French say "vive la différence." You know, what the hell? And come on and and. And, and we should and, and, you know, competition whenever you compete with somebody, you sort of say some bad words against them, too. I'm, you know, let's get somewhat behind. Them. Maybe we shouldn't be so grade schoolish about that. But, you know, uh, you yeah. know, it's hey, if you look at the Cold War, luckily, the Cold War was largely an economic thing. I mean, we didn't blow. I don't know how we didn't blow ourselves up okay i don't know how somebody well, we didn't. came all close a, sudden, a few times we, we came we i mean you know cuban missile crisis holy hell i mean you you i shudder every time you go back and look at those things that you know with with jfk sitting there i mean it's, it's all on film i mean whoa and and um but somehow we made it through that it just seems to me that the things that were with respect to china you know it's uh, they're looking to do it one way, we're looking to do another way. We say that whatever your mother wears, combat boots or something like that, you know, make some those <laughs> I,
0: I, I,
2: You I know, know, so for example, if you look at development of uh, electric vehicles, battery technology, that sort of competition, solar panels, competition has been good for the world, right? We, we've Absolutely. Gotten, gotten some great products at scale. Uh, so let's hope we keep it at the level of competition. And yeah. uh, economic, you know, because that that could increase the pie for everyone. Um, you know, when when Coke tries to beat Pepsi, uh, they're not also having contingency p- plans on invasion. So yeah, let's, let's hope, hopefully it doesn't get to there.
1: Yeah, and you know, and every startup tries to you know cut the legs out of the, the 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 big guy or gal up there and take over. And of course, the big guy or gal out there is looking the whatever. Crush that little two or maybe you know whatever bring it in and and you know take it out of business when they buy them out and whatever so it's I, I think we all need to realize that this is this is all, all what happens in the playground that we're in we're in a playground and but you know we have we we do have to sit back every once in a while and say you know cool down a little bit. Vive la différence. It's great that we're all different. It's wonderful. Let's hug everybody and you know and, and be happy together.
2: Yes. And and please keep on buying our bonds. Why
1: do you that? <laughs> yeah. I mean you're bailing <laughs> us out. And you know, you know, if you don't, you know, we're just gonna default on the hell with you right. guys. I mean, you but know, if come, we default, try to Dr. get it, you know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> way out of my league, but but again i mean the i think the good thing that does tend to exist or i think i see in the classroom certainly these days is you know it's nice that we have a we have a, a broader mix everybody and everybody's respects everybody else there's a lot more respect for everybody else today i think which is at least maybe maybe i'm just here in this bubble here and And so on. And, you know, even, hey, the people who don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. You know, I'll hug them, too. You know, I'm I'm, I, you know, just not the way I think. But they're allowed to think the way they want. I mean, come on. I think we have to allow that. So
0: I don't know. (laughs) One other headline to touch on, Alan. Uh, Amazon self-driving cars are coming to downtown Seattle. Uh, The Seattle Times reports safety advocates are not pleased. We're talking, of course, about Zooks.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, my goodness, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. I think Dukes is trying to do a good, a good thing, and I don't safety. I, I mean, you know, the part of the problem of the driverless vehicles is it's been, you know, the, a lot of the folks have been trying to sell it as safety no it's mobility and in fact if you look at it it's mobility the, the equitable mobility piece which is what i push and it's the thing i'm pushing but you know that's the real value and there there are lots of folks in in in, in seattle area who could, whose lives can be improved by this stuff and you know and it's not that it's it's unsafe you know And, of course, I'd like to say to Zooks, come to Trenton, you're not going to get headlines like that, okay? Or at least I, I, I don't know what headlines you're going to get, actually, which, so I shouldn't say that because, I mean, you know, people push different things and come out with different stuff. And I guess at times you have to have a thick skin, but I don't know.
0: Well, we want to remind <laughs> people again, uh, Alan, about the Smart Driving Cars uh, Summit, the Princeton Summit, yeah. now set for May.
1: Yeah, uh, we had to move it. I mean, you know, it, it, it's better in May. I mean, the key thing of the of the summit this year is going to be the the festival that we have. And the festival is, is for the, the folks who think they have equitable, affordable, high quality mobility that they'd like to bring to Trenton. Please come. But when you come and push your product, sit there and listen to the people who come and see what they want. You have the how, they have the want. And the how and the want have to come together. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And I'm not so sure that necessarily all the folks that are dealing with the how are looking and and know really what the people want. I know what they want. I know they know what they want. But but, but we we want to do this in Trenton. In, 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 and it should be their wants. And, and, and we should look at what they want. I oh, I can tell them what to do to hell. I that shouldn't be me. That, they get to have their wants. I get my want. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry about the political whatever on that chunk of it. well, you know. the, the no, welcoming I mean, environment I, I think, has always been a, what
0: you've talked about. Well, in, in I think we're taking meeting a slight, with people.
1: Yeah, we're 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 taking a slightly different perspective on this, and so on, and 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 I think you know, I look at I go to, I go there, and I you know, I'm, people are there. They're trying to live have good lives. And they're trying to have better lives. So let's listen to them and ask them what they think might make their lives better. They might be able to educate us.
0: (laughs) Terrific. Well, Chunko, we really appreciate you spending the time to to join us again. Uh, Really terrific. And thank you for being so generous with your time. Well, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Chanka always great and thank you not only for this but coming to my class uh, my students of course loved you I mean it's very inspirational and it's you know and and really when you look at it they're the folks they're the key folks that we should be talking to because guess what (laughs) they're going to do a lot of stuff over the next 40 years that's right and let's hope you know hey from let let we'll let them decide what they think is right Okay. I don't want right. to tell them what's right. I mean, you know, how do I know?
0: Well, the title of the book again is A Brief History of a Perfect Future Inventing the World We Can Proudly Leave Our Kids by 2050. Chunka, where's the best website for people to go to for more info? And I don't know if you want to repeat
1: your offer
0: again. My offer is send me an email. I will send you the book. The best website
2: to go to to find out about the book is amazon.com.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's there and it's not that expensive. You can afford it. Okay. And, and look and, and so on. And, but yeah, but really it is, it is, it's very nice for you to come on and, uh, you know, we're just trying to let people learn, I guess.
2: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more info is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. Smart speakers can play us, too. You can find my tech reports at Textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching and continue to stay safe.
1: Thank you, Chunka. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. See you next week.